0: And welcome to our live segment here at Vegan Mainstream. I get so excited we get not only a chance to interview some amazing guests and amazing people with stories, but also with my guest today, Rebecca Johnson, we have an opportunity to talk with someone who has really made a shift in um, her lifestyle, where she really had Brought or came to this lifestyle through health and the idea of you know navigating her health, navigating multiple surgeries, and finally getting to a stage where, you know, maybe enough was enough, and decided that she was ready to make some changes. So I'm excited about having a guest today that not only can share her story, share how she found herself to the plant based lifestyle, but how she has turned that education, that information, that experience into helping others, helping women, helping mothers, bringing it into our school systems and ultimately passing on this knowledge to the next generation. So I'm excited to not only learn a little bit about our guests since this is our first time chatting as well, but also share with everyone how Rebecca has been managing this year and how she has continued to make an impact in a year of uncertainty and change and transformation. So first, let me say welcome, Rebecca. I'm very excited to have you here with us today.
1: Hi, Stephanie.
0: It's great to see you. So since I have you here, I love to just dig down and let's, let's give everybody a little bit of background. Let's get them grounded in the Rebecca story and also help them understand, you know, your passion, your, what has really kind of driven you on this journey. So first let's give everyone a little bit of perspective on maybe how long you have been plant-based and if you can give people a little bit of background on your journey and what brought you to where you are today. Sure. Sure. So
1: uh, hello, everyone. It's great to be here. I love telling my story. It's been uh, 20 years that I'm celebrating, yeah, um, because it was in 2000, and uh, actually this month of October. Ooh, um, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a total transformation um, and uh, continuing to grow in that area. But I had um, fibroids and uh, ovarian cysts, and they were very persistent, And it, uh, if anyone's ever had that, you know that it affects every area of your life. I mean, literally there are things you cannot do or when you do them, um, you know, it's just miserable. Um, And so I went through that for many years, for probably about five or six years. And during that time, so leading up to to, to 2000, it was like 1995, I started doing research on the internet about the connection between food and health. And particularly I've started to find all these things about hormones and how certain foods could affect your hormones. And then these growths come as a result. So there were many people that were talking about chicken and milk and cheese. Well, guess what? Mostly what I ate was chicken, milk, and cheese. And so those were like my favorite foods at the time. And so I was, um, had had a couple surgeries at uh, three surgeries and I was getting ready to have a fourth wow. and I went to my OBGYN with my research and I said, you know, I'm looking at all this stuff. Do you think there's anything that, you know, could potentially help me because I don't want to be back here a fifth time. And his response was, I'm sorry, but for some women, that's just the way it is. And you're going to have to do it for the rest of your
0: life. Wow.
1: And I can tell you, it was almost like an audible voice. And I heard that voice say, no, you will not. And I basically just went out and started eating differently. And it was particularly, there was this place, if anybody's been Vegan, plant-based in New York City for a long time, but it was um, quintessence. They're not around anymore. I'm so sad. Um, But uh, you know, they the food was amazing. And every time I ate there, I felt life. And anybody that cooked there would say the same thing. I took my girlfriend and her boyfriend, who's totally a meat eater, and he said to her, "He said, honey, I I feel like something happened to me, like eating this (laughs) food." I love that. Which great quintessence I would go there and buy like the next day's meals, you know this was before everybody was you know hot on like meal delivery mm-hmm. um I can tell you like um within two and a half months, I had lost thirty five pounds my the I looked like I was five months pre- five months pregnant, like people would say to me, congratulations to you, right? really, wow, yeah, yeah, okay. everything yeah. gone, I mean just. Skin, hair, nails. And the, the real connection that, you know, I share with women is the hormonal aspect. Because we think that having those kinds of um, periods are normal. They're not normal. Yes. Not. That is, I know. And know, and know that emotional stuff is normal. It's not. You're out of balance because your body is toxic. And so that was one of the main things that I learned. So that was just the beginning. And, you know, it's just been a new life since then.
0: And I love that you're addressing this because I think as women, there's so many things that we've kind of felt like we just have to deal with. It's just the way it is. And we don't always make that connection between our food And the things that are happening in our bodies, you know, we kind of have separated them out and kind of put them in this other classification of, yeah, it's just part of being a woman. And to your point about this is really back to our health. This is back to what we're putting in our body and how it is feeding many of these states, I think is so key. And I love that you're doing so much work to help women realize this, because I think a lot of us have been, you know, gritting our teeth (laughs) and bearing it for, for years. So when you learned all this information, when you started to kind of take it in, how did you, how did your family respond to it? How did your friends respond to it? Did you, did you find a good support system or were you kind of in an island, especially when you think about 10 years ago, 20 years ago, excuse me, the world is a very different place than it is today.
1: Yeah. Well, thank God
0: for the internet. Because that's where I found my
1: world, my family, my the people that I can relate to, and before, yes. and that was even before all the chats and things like that. They were just people that I just dug down into their information. Um, I started, at, I actually, when I was fifteen, I went vegetarian. Oh wow. For a while, uh, but again, mm-hmm. still, it was cheese, right? And yeah, dairy, dairy um, which you know, really, uh, a person of color. Many people are color of color you know dairy is just something that is a major problem for us and i didn't know that but you know and and one of the things that i found in my research was many times the things that are toxic to you are the things that you are craving right the craving itself is mm-hmm. connected to your brain and it's sending these messages and that's why you're wanting it. You think you want it because it's good for you or you like it. It's not, it's an actual message that's being created in your brain, like an addiction. And so that's what I went through. So, um, oh, I forgot. What were you asking me? I, I at, we were talking about your support system. So this is great so, great. so I did not have one because I remember when I would go to like my family's house for family dinner mm-hmm. and, um, and I'd say, oh, well, you know, I don't eat meat. So, you know, I'd be told, oh, well, that's okay. We'll, we'll um, make you a little side dish. And then you look at it and it's like, something's not right about this side dish. And I know one time I went to my aunt's for Thanksgiving and I snuck in the kitchen to look mm-hmm. in the pot that I was being served from. And there was like, you know, turkey legs down there or whatever else, you know. And oh, my <laughs> but when I was 15 and I went vegetarian, uh, I told my mom that I was going to stop eating meat and mm-hmm. said, okay, you're going to starve. That's all. You'll just starve in this house. And so like for two or three days, I ate peanut butter and jelly. Um, mm-hmm. and she was like, okay, what do I have to do? Yeah. How do you've we make this work? we have got to remove the meat from the vegetables, black eyed peas, collard mm-hmm. green, you know, all the stuff we, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I showed her how to use bay leaves. Right. And how to use seasonings and herbs to change and transform the food. And she did that. And my mom lived till she was ninety five years old. Um, And yeah. And I mean, and cognitively, a hundred percent there. I mean, if it had not been for this condition, which came from something else completely, I mean, she would have been totally healthy. And and she ate very well in the sense that, you know, very clean eating. So she was open to it. Um And so that was the support that I got. And then of course, you know, friends, it became more popular to kind of be vegetarian. And then after college, you know, I dated somebody and they were like, well, you need to eat meat. I can't date you if you're not eating meat, you know? So then I went mm-hmm. back to eat meat and got sick again, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then in 20, in, in, in 2000, sorry, 20 years ago, I totally went,
0: you know, 100% pretty much. Perfect. So how did you decide to take all of this information that you had, everything that you had learned and all these experiences and turn this into something that can help others, help women? I mean, maybe walk us through a little bit of background of, you know, what you created, um, you know, the plant rich life, and then also kind of what was the driving force behind it?
1: Wow. So So much there. Um, I, uh, it, it, plant rich life itself was something that was just given to me through inspiration Okay, because I really wanted like all the pain, physical pain that I've been through with fibroids and, and ovarian problems and all of that. It affected my life in so many ways that I really kind of felt like you said before, like, is this it? Is this what I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life? And so then when I saw through my choice, right, that I could make this lifestyle choice, that things were different, then people were saying to me, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Look at you. You know, people stop me on the street. What are you doing? Like, And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm eating plant-based. And they're like, Wow. That's amazing. So at that point, I realized this is something that can help other people. And so that's when I um, uh, got a plant based certification. Um, I used to work um, the first job I ever had. That even had anything to do with anything plant thing plant based was actually a volunteer role with the Coalition for Healthy School Food, which is amazing. And they put plant based recipes in school. You're familiar with them. Um, that's, how I, that's how I found out about vegan mainstream was from the Coalition for Healthy School Food. So they, um, I, I actually ended up um, taking the eCornell course of, okay. for, for plant based certification and okay. so once i did that and people were asking me all these questions about what are you doing then it became this kind of i was just compelled to teach other people um, that other people have to know but the reason why it's plant rich life is because really uh, the the most impoverished thing that many of us are is where lack of nutrients you can have all the money in the world if you don't have your health it means absolutely nothing so yeah. the 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 understanding for wealth to me and this i know it sounds like a phrase but I, I i mean i have lived this that health is wealth once i got the freedom that i could not have before just going on a vacation dating swimming yeah, yeah you know we were like oh this is going to be over in 2 months this will be over in 3 months it'll be over for a month and then we'll just go back to normal and now we're kind of in the place where like no We need to adjust to what is and and be able to do it in a way where, you know, it's meaningful. So, um, you know, I uh, have been able to make some connections with people that are out there. That Mm -hmm. are out. So um, we were talking before we got on about um, the at wellness in the schools. How we have chef partners, and Mm -hmm. so you know, Chef JJ who has a restaurant called Field Trip in Harlem, which is my village that I love. Um, And so we were able to connect him with the school. So he went and they delivered food to the teachers who are essential workers. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, I could not be there. I was not there physically, but I was the one that would help to make the linkage through wellness in the schools. So it's a lot of um, different ways to engage people. using this medium of online and trying to connect it with, you know, brick and mortar, for instance, right. I don't see chef JJ. I don't, you know, I'm not at the restaurant, but I was still able to make the connection and I am hoping that he will come on at some point and talk to folks, but it's, it's, it's uh, the technology, as you said, is really the key. And, but also your communication skills Yes, and that's where I'm trying to focus. Is yeah. you know, some people are uncomfortable with technology, mm-hmm. and not just the pushing of the buttons, but being on a screen like this.
0: Yes, it feels a little exposed at times.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and being so up close, and and you know, how do I show someone how to do something in an environment like this? Um, I have had people on. Cooking class, and they're like I said, they're on mute the whole time. And then I'm like, "Hey, are you getting anything?" Oh yeah, I'm over here, and I'm taking notes. They just don't want to be seen. And I have times like that too, you know, like you know, I'm it's okay right now, but there are other times when I don't want to be seen. Yeah, so it's how to engage people um, with those, um, you know, uh, places where you know, there may be that block, you know, that wall, how to bring them out from that, you know, how to make it a safe space, you know, which I know yes. Zoom has been working to do. Um, so mm-hmm. that's important, especially we're working with kids many times. And so we yeah, need that space, but also a place where people will feel community, um, even though, we have, you know, it's through machinery or technology.
0: Yeah. And I think it took a while, I think, for a lot of people to get kind of comfortable with this new digital um, environment. And like you said, people kind of felt like, ah, do I really have to do it yet? Maybe we'll just get back to normal. So they were putting it off that I'm seeing more and more people are embracing it, but to your point, they're embracing it their way. But I think what's key is as the instructors, as the coaches, you know, as the individuals here hosting these events, it's really on us to make sure we have that great communication, like you mentioned, that we really not only lean into the tools, but we also figure out a way that people can feel like this is their session. There is their time to ask questions. People feel even more comfortable to ask questions. And also what I've been really loving about kind of this digital world of digital space is I'm able to keep up with people that maybe I hadn't been able to keep up with. So I don't know if you found this where, has there been any kind of aha moments for you? Have there been any things that you never thought that if you would be hosting Zoom cooking classes, it would work. Have you found things that have worked for you, things that have allowed you to reach new people or help people that you can never help before that this new kind of world we're in created that access or created that capability?
1: Sure. Um, I say, thank God for the internet. I if I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the internet. You know, yeah. I just put it. And I remember years ago, uh, some woman... Sent me a a Facebook message. It was my sister mm-hmm. that I had not talked to in twenty years. Oh wow! And she connected me with my uncle, my father's brother, who I had not talked to in at least that time. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, there are powerful things that can happen here. I know that there are other things that people use it for the wrong reason, um, but we're we're not doing that, right? We're using yeah. it for the right reason, and so. Using Instagram stories, for instance, you know, Mm -hmm. um, this class I'm doing tonight. I can't reach all the people that I know, but when I put that flyer in Instagram stories, now all of a sudden I'm seeing all this activity or like a friend of mine that I texted her that I was going to be on here today. And she went to vegan mainstream and found your little flyer that I had not seen. And then mm-hmm. she sent it out to a bunch of people. Um, and I was like, wow, I did not even see that myself. You know, and I just missed it because when I look in my my inbox, you know, mm-hmm. every day I've got 50 new emails yeah. and I can't go through them all, you know, and I say, oh yeah, I see Stephanie or I see Google Mainstream. Oh, I know I'm going to be on at 1230. I don't even bother to look, right? And yeah, I, like I'll get back to that. Yes. I'll get back to that, exactly. So I'm um, using the media and learning how to use it and the ways that are most effective. You know, I can post something about something mm-hmm. I'm doing and, and people comment and we can have a conversation about it, which I like. Um, but I find Instagram stories to, to reach more people, right? Because it's quicker, you know, people can look and keep going. Um, so that's something that's really been helpful for me. Perfect.
0: Now, do you have any advice for anyone out there who has maybe tried to make this transition to online? Someone else who's maybe in your shoes and they've been teaching, but they've tried to make the transition and either they were just resistant They felt like they were stumbling through it. So, you know what I mean? That kind of anxiety has been getting to them. Do you have any advice for anyone else that's out there that's making these transitions and these changes um, and how should they either continue to persevere or anything you would recommend if anyone's still kind of in their transition phase?
1: Yeah. Uh, I almost feel like I'm not the one to answer this question because I was talking about doing online classes (laughs) for... Two, like two years. And I took, uh, you know, I, Marie Forleo, I mean, I, mm-hmm. whatever, it, I you name them. He did it. Okay. <laughs> okay. You mm-hmm. name them. I took their course, right? Mm-hmm. But it was this sense that you have to have this perfect place, this perfect environment. You know, renting a perfect kitchen is very expensive. And, you know, you haven't even built your business up yet. Yeah. And so the idea that you're going to do this in your home or in this less than ideal space was, you know, something that prevented me from doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, you know, the looking at other people and saying, oh, well, they, you know, they got that down, you know, they look great. Oh, look at, oh, they're so shiny and wonderful. And then you're like, oh, well, I got to wait till I get to, to that point in order to do something. And I feel what has happened, number one, COVID for me has been, you know, a kick in the butt, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, because I work with, um, you know, wellness in the schools, the organization and um, global leadership and some other things, you know, I've been pushed to have to do it. Yeah, um, because I want to do this. It's not that I don't want to do this. I want to do this, but the know-how of doing it was the problem. So, like, mm-hmm. do I go back to to school and take a graduate course and learn how to do filmmaking? Right, in order to mm-hmm. things that you tell yourself, you have this conversation with yourself. But Absolutely. you know, that old saying, you know, that that um, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, and so like my little studio you know, includes like a ladder and some boxes. And no, I'm so serious. (laughs) (laughs) Some lights from the hardware store, you know? And the thing is, it's like, you know, once it's done, I'm like, well, you know, this is not as bad (laughs) as I thought it was going to be. And like, people are enjoying it and they're liking it and they're coming back. So for anybody out there that's sort of, it's like a perfection deception. Yes. Okay. You have this idea that things have to be a certain way and it is totally not true. And you're not only limiting yourself, but one of the big things is there are people out there that need what you have. Like I know what I'm doing is needed. The struggle mm-hmm. for me all the time with plant based living and whole foods, plant based eating is getting through the message. You know, there's such a cacophony out there about nutrition and diets, and this week it's this fad, and that week, next week it's the next fad. And this is not that, but people think it is. Yeah. And so I have to, you know, the, the onus is on, on me. To make sure that this message gets in front of people and that I can help people walk through this process so they can avoid surgery, so they can avoid. I look, I was told by the doctor that I was, it was a pre cancer condition. I mean, that scared me to no end. And that's why I ended up changing. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, I woke up one day and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna go eat plant based. No, he said pre cancer. And I said, oh no, he said, "No going to be my life. And I, I, went, I went completely 180 and like, that was it. And I know everybody can't do that. But so I'm saying that to say that if you're sitting back and you have something and you know that the world needs it, I mean, this is Marie, you know, I listen to Marie all the time. You have something that the world needs and you're holding back on it and we're in an environment right now where all you have to do is put on an iPhone and somebody clicks on a button and you can bring them into your home. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to spend money. You, don't, you can't even get really people who are getting on planes and doing conferences because that's something that I used to do. And mm-hmm. You're traveling. To con- you don't even have to do that anymore. Yes. So you kind of. I think the bottom line, Stephanie, is you kind of have to get out of your own story and yeah. your own head. And think Mm -hmm. more about the people that you need to reach and think more about the people that need what you have. I think if you can make that switch, then you'll get past, you know, all the perfection deception, which is what I call it. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm so glad we got to that topic because I feel like a lot of people. We do tell ourselves things that keep us from moving forward. And like you said, we start to get into the things that we're worried about instead of focusing on the people we can help. Instead of realizing that we have something for them and there should be nothing that holds us back. Um, you know, even if, you know, we have to put a book under that ladder to make the camera, <laughs> you know, level, we make it happen Um, because we're doing it for others, you know, it really, really, really should, should be that way. Um, Last question I just wanted to talk about, maybe while I have you here, I'm going a little bit over, so I hope you don't mind, but um, we've talked a little about community. And for me, one thing that's near and dear to my heart is, you know, the black community, African-American community, and how important it is to get this information out. Um, There's been some great articles lately about how, you know, um, black folks are truly embracing veganism. And unfortunately, Unfortunately, we haven't been in a lot of the headlines, so people maybe have not known how many amazing people that we have in our community that have been making change um, and driving kind of this message. Do you have some thoughts or perspective on kind of what we all should be doing moving forward so that we make sure that we're getting services to our community, that we're getting support to our community, that even like you talked about before, we're making those connections even if we don't meet people in person, we make those connections so that we can continue to support this movement and also make sure it gets into the hands of people that can, you know, can really change their lives. Yeah,
1: yeah, this is a tough one. Um, now, remember, uh, in the beginning of COVID, because um, I live across the street from um, uh, some project houses. And one of the things that we found out is that a lot of the people that were living there did not even know about the protocols that were needed to protect herself from COVID. Really? Oh, that's heartbreaking. Because we're not watching, you know, MSNBC mm-hmm. and CNN and whatever else. Right. Mm-hmm. And I find that with, uh, you know, my neighborhood, which is one of the things that I love about my neighborhood is mm-hmm. it's very, I don't want to say insular, but kind of in a way it is, you know, I tell people all the time, there was COVID never happened around here. Like the mm-hmm. streets were full of people all during COVID. You go to the, 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 um, the, the local bodega, you know, people are, it's, it's full of people, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. going around being the mask police, you know, but it's because we, that's just how we live in, in yeah. the community. But yeah. at the same time that keeps things out. hmm and so the information about this lifestyle is not necessarily coming in as it should, you know? And so I feel that, you know, we have like PCRM, Dr. Uh, Milton Mills, and some mm-hmm. others, you know, several that I could shout out um, because people are going to listen to those kinds of authorities. Yes. They're going to listen to a, a, a medical doctor who says, listen, we have the data, we have the proof. Right here, Mm -hmm. like um, Dr. Mill said that, you know, he was seeing covid patients and the ones who were plant based either weren't getting it as readily if they Mm -hmm. got they didn't get the intense symptoms Mm -hmm. and none of them died. That's huge. That's big. You're not Mm going to see that on the the nightly local news. Mm -hmm. So how do we get this to communities that are like mine? Right? Yeah. How do we do mm-hmm. that? And so, you know, I was um, through uh, Wits. We, we, I was on a policy forum, and still, still part of this group. Um, and it's really uh, trying to change food policy in New York City. And so mm-hmm. we talked about, you know, there have to be flyers, there have to be text messaging, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That way, because people have phones. You know, yes. they may not have Wi-Fi at home, or mm-hmm. you know, cable. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to find creative ways to get those messages through and to do it in a way where, you know, like I said, uh, you know, we can make these connections from the top, you know, a medical doctor right on down to your community chef who's yes. interacting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I mean, to me, I feel like we need some kind of organization that does this, you know, particularly focusing on urban communities. Why? Because of the numbers, because of the data, because every health outcome, no matter what it is, it affects us worse. We either die from it or we get um, sick more often. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is critical. It is critical that it happens. And that I would say is one of the reasons that, you know, this medium we're using now, because there are people that I could never reach walking in my neighborhood or walking to a school or walking to the Bronx, you know, or riding my bike Mm -hmm. or whatever. I can't reach people. There's only one me. Yes. So if we can use this kind of medium to make it more available in communities of color, then we will, be, we, we, we will have done something, I feel. Because there's a lot of resistance. One of the, and I just want to throw this in, one of mm-hmm. the main resistances is socioeconomic. Yes. And it has to do with like, well, you know, eating healthy, that's for white people. You know what I mean? Eat, eating, you know, uh, no meat? Because when you look historically, meat is a sign of wealth. yes. And so now you're saying give up meat and eat beans like that is just something that is so difficult for many communities of color to understand um, and to for us as educators to get okay. that block. So one of the things that I do is my okay. dad was a chef, but, you know, it was country food, you know, what I mean, it was hog malls and, you know, <laughs> you know, I grew up on all that mac and cheese. That's why I was addicted to cheese and yams and all that, Mm -hmm. but not always putting that flavor in food, right? Or Mm -hmm. trying to finding something, barbecue or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. To try to make that link between what you're familiar with, what you're comfortable with, what you understand and bringing you into this new way of, of eating. So just, I think we all just need to come together. I'm so happy to um, be here with Vegan Mainstream. Um, I know Victoria, my friend lives in her building. So there are times, yeah, that I would go see my friend and I'd Mm -hmm. see her, you know, coming down to pick up a box of food because they deliver to food Mm -hmm. to the building, as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I really do appreciate um, what she's been doing, but I also appreciate what you're doing from the marketing perspective. Because that's what people like me need. Right, I am not yeah. a marketer. <laughs> you know, I'm working directly with people. Um, I'm teaching them. I'm showing them what to do. But if it's not, as I said to you before, we were trying. If nobody knows about it, and if we're yeah. not reaching communities of color, and the way yeah. you reach communities of color is different from how you reach other communities, and that to me. Is where we need to focus, and I know sometimes it's like even for myself. Well, people are chasing the money, right? Mm -hmm. They're chasing the money. I cannot charge for a a group of parents that are in an urban school. What I can charge for some of my other clients who you know may live in the suburbs, yeah. But I still have to be committed to that, right? In in spite of that. So finding a way, you know, I would love to talk to you more about how to communicate to our communities about this particular topic because it, it's going to require something a little different.
0: Yeah. I so agree with you that it requires something different. It requires a different approach. It also requires different recipes because the flavor profiles are completely different right. Absolutely, because um, there's a cultural piece to food as well. It's not just You know what I mean? The recipe, there's a piece that, you know, we have memories that are connected. You know, like you said, the mac and cheese. I have a memory to mac and cheese, (laughs) not just the flavor. I have a memory to potato salad. (laughs) Like, Why do you think I light up when I talk
1: about it? Right. Because I'm going back to when I was five and six years old with my dad in the kitchen, baking Apple Brown Betty, making mac and cheese. I am not giving that up. And yes. I'm bringing that to every class. I'm bringing that to every person that I work with. I mean, one of the first things I ask people when I'm coaching them is, "What's your favorite food?" Because yeah. if your favorite food is pasta or something Italian, I'm going to take that flavor profile, and then I'm going to, what I say, veganize it. Right? Yes. I'm going to pick that. So that when I give it to you, what I'm hearing is, "Oh, oh, I wow!" You know, people are so surprised. Wow, yes. this this tastes good. Or even kids, kids say, oh, I didn't know healthy could taste good. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, yes, it absolutely can. So the culture, the culture, the culture. One of the classes that I've been doing with the school, which I'm going to do myself, is the Mm -hmm. diaspora. So it's a plant-based cooking class, but we're focusing on the seasonings and spices of the African diaspora. And so I have been so excited about creating those recipes and getting those flavors in there. And some of the stuff is just simple. You know, Mm -hmm. um, we use butternut squash, which in Africa, they barbecue it. They stuff it with with cheese and greens and barbecue it. And so when you go to a barbecue, you're going to see butternut squash. Like I never knew that. And so every week introducing a new pantry item because one of the things you have to do when you cook this way is you have to build a different pantry. You're not using the same stuff you use because you've got to bring those
0: flavors. So definitely, I, I definitely high five you on the culture. We've got to keep the culture. We have to. We have to keep tapping into it and supporting it so that people can also build new memories around it as well. They can build it and bring it into their family, bring in that experience. Um, And so for bring in their friends, bring in their community, even if they built their community and that that is their family as well. I think it's so important we do it. So I'm so glad we had a chance to chat. I'm sorry, I kept you a little bit longer than yeah. usual. but Thank you. I was having such a good time, and it's so great to have a chance to just talk about the work that you're doing, the people that you're helping, the focus you have on families, on women, um, and also in helping kids and getting into these school systems, I think is absolutely amazing. Before we wrap up, can you give everyone your website, your social media handles so that they can get in touch with you if they're watching this interview? Thank you. Plantrichlife.com.
1: Uh, and on uh, Instagram, it's Plant Rich Life at Plant Rich Life. And then on Facebook, it's The Plant Rich Life. Um, and so, yeah, that's me, Rebecca at Plant is my email. And so, great being here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that we got to do this and um, uh, just spread the word about the kind of lifestyle that is possible. A lot of times people don't think it's possible, as we were saying about women, thinking that we have to live that way and we have to suffer that way. And so many things that people are suffering from, they really don't have to. And so getting this out is so important to me. So thank you.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. I really, I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. I probably should say, because it's so important to restore hope for a lot of people um, in what their future can be. And also in today's environment, I think with everything that we've been going through, not just the pandemic, but a lot of the social injustice that's going on, the police brutality that's going on, um, even a lot of the discussion that's happening in the political world, there's a lot on our shoulders and a lot at stake these days that we really need to make sure that we're having open dialogues, we're discussing, and we're finding ways to really support each other, support our communities, and help people understand that our future can be brighter, our future can be better, and there are ways that we can be empowered to do it, um, as well. So thank you so much for joining anyone who joined us live today. I so appreciate you being here. I so appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Um, we always love it to hear your feedback and hear that you enjoyed these sessions. So hit those like buttons, you know, make sure we know loud and proud how much you've enjoyed this session as well as if you have any questions or you want to post any comments afterwards, I will be checking them out. Even if you're watching this as a replay, as well as, I will relay any questions over to Rebecca as well. But I just want to make sure you know that we appreciate you who are watching us, learning with us and sharing with us. And Rebecca, I obviously appreciate you giving me some time out here today, day to day, to share not only your message, your impact, but also inspire people. So thank you. Thanks.
1: Great being with you. See you.
0: Bye everyone.